Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome. So great to have you here. We're going to be starting a new series this week called Our New Kingdom Normal. But before we do that, I, I just want to start by extending a very, very special and heartfelt thank you to some of you who helped make Easter extra special. John, thank you so much for coming with that drone. It was just so much fun to have that shot. Um, thanks to Julie and to Kelly and to Eric for doing that little extra thing with the music at that last song. And Kada and Brady, you two are all stars. That song that you guys did, that little piece there, that was my favorite part of the whole service. So thanks everyone who, who helped out. It was just great. You know, as a church, things certainly don't look like they once did. But each week, more and more of you, you're finding ways to be innovative and to find helpful ways where we can honor God right where we are in our homes, in our neighborhoods. Thank you for those encouraging notes and things that we're seeing. Sundays are just the tip of the iceberg. I am so encouraged by, by all the things that I'm seeing and the stories I'm hearing. Well, one of the things that we said in our early days as a church, and we said it a lot, and that's that change is one of our constants. As a brand new church, we were continually adapting to new circumstances. We look different now than we did then, but along the way, all those different changes really did help more people become more like Christ in authentic community. Well, last week, we looked at something strange. And if you downloaded your notes page this week, there's a place to write this down. On that first Easter Sunday, many of Jesus' disciples didn't recognize him. The example that we looked at was from John chapter 20. A follower of Jesus named Mary arrived at Jesus' tomb on Easter Sunday, and it was empty. And then suddenly this happened. This is out of John chapter 20, verse 14. She turned around. She saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. She thought it was a gardener. And this wasn't the only place that this happened. We talked about this last week. And there, there's not a lot of explanation why. The one place where scripture does provide a peek behind the curtain, it's Luke 24. And it says right there that the followers of Jesus were kept from recognizing Jesus until their eyes were opened. Up until that point, and this is really important, up until that point, they thought they understood who Jesus was and what his mission was all about, but things were about to change. And they were about to be changed as well as a result. So here's our challenge today. And there's a place to write this down as well. When we gather together again under one roof, are we going to look different too? You may have noticed that our world has changed and it's going to need more people who look more like the resurrected Jesus. This has always been true. Every generation, each generation has its challenges. We're a multi-generational church and we have folks in our church who can remember how the atomic age forever changed the world. Humankind developed these weapons that were far more devastating than anything we had seen before. And the church of Jesus Christ was called upon to step up and respond to new fears and new anxieties and new realities in a new world. Well, fast forward. More of you can remember these events. Fast forward to the dawn of a new age, ushered in by the Oklahoma City bombing 
1995, the shootings in Columbine High School. 1999, the attacks of September 11th, 2001, and countless other acts of violence and terror where what was so different now, there was no negotiation, none. There was no single profile. People entered schools and churches and movie theaters and nightclubs and hotels with guns. People flew airplanes into buildings. People crashed cars into crowds. And the Church of Jesus Christ was called to step up and respond to new fears and new anxieties in a new world. Fast forward again, 2007, the year our church was born, which was also the year the iPhone came out. Smartphones have changed the world forever. It's enabling us to do good things like this, but it's also contributed to record levels of anxiety, depression, addiction, you know, and the locks on our doors no longer keep people with bad intentions out of our homes. And the church of Jesus Christ was called upon to step up, respond to new fears, new anxieties, new realities in a new world. Yesterday is not today. And in case you haven't heard, things aren't going to get back to normal anytime soon. Our very definition of normal is likely to change. Now, I'm a big believer that facts are our friends. And so when it became clear that this is real, I started to identify sources that could help me better understand, okay, what is it that we're actually dealing with? Well, one of the most informed voices out there is a fellow Minnesotan, and his name is Michael Osterholm. Many of you referred him to me. Uh, this is a book that he put out some time ago. And what he's saying as an informed voice is the effects of this crisis, they're gonna be felt for a long, long, long time. And not only that, he's one voice among many who are saying COVID could be a harbinger of things to come, many of which could even be worse. Now, now, if we were in a small group right now and we were having a discussion here, it wouldn't surprise me at all if someone would raise their hand or lean forward and say, hey, what are you talking about, Mr. Pastor Man? Where is your faith? To which I'd reply, especially if they asked, do you have faith? I'd reply, absolutely. And my faith is grounded in the God that scripture reveals. What kind of faith does the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 11 testify to? Is it a faith in a God who always changes their circumstances? Or is it a faith that teaches us how to build our lives on solid rock instead of on shifting sand? Is it a faith that crumbles in crisis? Or is it a faith that was expressed like this through the prophets? Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit, fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. All right, this is the kind of faith that we find in the Old Testament. 
And when the church of Jesus Christ was born and the Holy Spirit was poured out, did the presence of faith-filled, praying Christians eradicate the existence of pain and brokenness? Not completely. If you want to see a great example of the way that the early church prayed, a great example is Acts 4. I'd encourage you to go there and, and take a look. Peter and John were arrested. They were threatened. And upon their release, their prayers reflected an understanding that they were part of a bigger story. A story that was connected to Jesus. A story that God in his sovereignty was bringing to pass. And it was within that framework that they prayed for God to grant them boldness and to work through them. So here's the thing. We will pray for you. We do pray for you. We'll pray for your marriages. We'll pray for your kids. We'll pray for your jobs. We'll pray for your healing. We'll pray for this virus to end. And we'll do our best to challenge you and to equip you to climb the mountains that don't move. This weekend, actually, let me back up. The weekend, the weekend that we made a decision that we're going to have to postpone meeting together as a whole group. That weekend, we huddle up with as many of our staff, as many of our leaders as could make it. And we talked. We talked about, about what kind of world was the church of Jesus Christ born into in Acts chapter 1. And then we talked about what kind of challenges did the church of Jesus Christ face for the next 27 chapters. And then we talked about what kind of challenges has the church of Jesus Christ faced for the last 20 centuries. And I've been reflecting on this a little bit here, and I've been thinking, what slowed the curve when it comes to more people becoming more like Christ? It hasn't been crises. Christianity has been growing most rapidly for the last several decades, and also at other times in, in, in human history, it's been growing the most rapidly in some of the most challenging places on the planet. Where has the spread of Christianity slowed the most? In areas where people least feel a need for a savior. What does this have to do with us? What does that have to do with anything? We're in a place right now where people are, are, are realizing, more people than, than certainly I've, I've sensed for a long time, people are realizing they're in over their heads. Well, when Jesus stepped out of his tomb, he stepped into a world that was still broken. And he not only invites us, okay, let's join him and come to him and find real hope. It's even more than that. He invites us to join him in his work. We, we woke up today to a world that is not the same. It is not the same as it was a few months ago. And if we're going to rise to the challenges of this new normal, some things need to change. Well, let's start here. There's a place to write this down in your notes. We are ambassadors for a different kingdom. Can somebody give me an amen? All right. Well, does, does God change our circumstances? Sometimes. But here's what he'll never do. He will never leave or forsake his own. And there's people that need to know this. They need to see this. That is good news that the world needs to hear. If you have your Bible with you, please open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
uh, verse 20. I'm going to read from the ESV. We're going to start at verse 20, and then we're going to look at some of the context around it. Here's what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the, uh, the first part of verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Now, a really quick note on the we, as in we're ambassadors for Christ. Paul wasn't writing to just a select group of spiritual all-stars. He was writing to the church in the city of Corinth, which we've talked about before as a church family. It was a culture a whole lot like ours, but in the first century. And so here are these people who were a lot more like us than you may think. And he was writing to them saying, hey, everybody, we, 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 we are the ambassadors. All right, what does it mean to be an ambassador? Well, I haven't quoted N.T. Wright for a while. Joyce Hardwick, this one's for you, for you. All right, N.T. Wright, he said this about ambassadoring. This is so good. He, he, he said, when a new world is born, a new way of living goes with it. It's true when a couple have their first baby. Can I get an amen from that? Uh, uh, Sam. <laughs> Amen, right? When you have a first baby, they have new responsibilities. Everywhere they go, they see things with new eyes. It is true when people move from one country to another. A new language needs to be learned. New laws apply. Paul is appealing to them to see the world with new eyes of the gospel instead of expecting everything to conform to the fashions and the customs of the world they were used to. The new world has a new king. The king has ambassadors. He's going into all of the world with a message, a message inviting everyone and anyone to be reconciled with God, the God who made them, loves them, has provided a means of reconciliation for them to come back to know and love him in return. Isn't that good? Well, in context, this is also important. It's important to remember that the role of an ambassador in that time and in that place, you weren't just an ambassador for a place. You weren't just an ambassador for an ideal. You were a representative of the king. Well, the surrounding context now gives us a better understanding of what is meant by this. What, what does this mean about being an ambassador, ambassador for the king? What does that look like when it comes to the kingdom of God and the, the king of kings? So let's do a little more context. Let's zoom out a bit. Second Corinthians chapter five, let's go all of verse 20 and verse 21. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled with God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. More than anything else, more than anything else, ambassadors have been reconciled with God. That which has been broken is being brought together. That which is distance is being drawn, distant is being drawn together. The broken relationship that we once had as these people, these broken people, it's being healed and we're becoming more and more like him. All right, let's zoom out a little bit farther. And even as I use that word, I want to apologize. I've used the word zoom a couple of times. Sorry about that. This would probably be really nice to have a zoom free hour. So I, I'll, I'll use other word choices from here on out. All right, let's, let's use this. Let's broaden the context. Let's broaden the context. So we're going to broaden the context here. Let's go verses 17 through 19. Here, here are the, the thoughts that roll right into this idea of being an ambassador. 
This verse 17 is going to sound familiar to many of you. Uh, if I can find it, there it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That goes right then in to, oh, let me finish verse 19. That in Christ, God was reconciling the word, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And that flows right into, we are ambassadors. I had completely forgotten this. The first Corinthians or second Corinthians 5, 17, that's a passage that many of us memorize. If anyone's in Christ, we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I completely forgot how close that is to the ambassadors for God thing that we read a little bit earlier. That thought flows right into the other thought, right into it. What does a new creation in Christ look like? It looks like an ambassador for God. What does an ambassador for God look like? It looks like a new creation in Christ. And as new creations, as ambassadors for God, what's in between there? What ministry, what message have we been given? It's the ministry, it's the message of reconciliation. Now, when I hear that word reconciliation, I often think of relationships between people. Does reconciliation apply to relationships between people? Absolutely, yes. But, 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 it's more holistic than that. A new creation, yep, we can get reconciled with other people. It is more holistic than that. An ambassador, yeah, we, we should be reconciled with other people. It's more holistic than that. The invitation is for all of our life, all of our life to be reconciled with God. Let's expand the context even more. This is uh, going back, expanding to chapter five, verses two through eight, condensed down. In this tent, listen to this language. In this tent, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. We walk by faith, not by sight. We're of good courage. We would rather be away from the body. And what does it say? At home with the Lord. This idea of groaning, of longing, we can all relate to that, can't we? We long to see people that we care about in person. We long to be done with online school, parents, teachers, students, all of us, right? We long, we long some of us to get back to work again. We long to just be able to go out and have fun with others. We long to go play sports together again, go out to eat together again, to go dancing. All right, my wife, she would like to go dancing, all right? We long, we long to visit our parents and visit our grandparents without being a health risk to them. We long don't we? We long for the day when all will be reconciled and all will be as it should be on earth as it is in heaven. Now, here's where I want to go with this. Some of us, many of us, we've experienced glimpses of this, haven't we? One of the reasons we talk about camp so much is because camp is a place where so many people have experienced a, a taste 
of that home that we long for. In fact, this was something, um, I think it was, yeah, just, just a couple months ago, I was talking to my, my teen daughters and one of them mentioned that our middle school and preteen Saturday nights at camp, they're starting to call that cry night. Here's why they're calling it cry night. They're calling it cry night because there's a lot of tears. Why are there a lot of tears? For some people, it's because for the first time, they found a safe place where they could open up about things that they've been holding in. For others, it wasn't so much of a sad thing coming out. For others, those tears came because for the first time or for the first time in a long time, they got that glimpse of of experiencing the presence, the real presence of God in their lives. And this thing that they've experienced as teens, if we were in a room right now, maybe do this. I would encourage you to do this at your small church. Talk, when have you experienced this kingdom that we long for? Because I know so many of you have. You've experienced it. You've experienced it. We've experienced what I want to call right now, moments of reconciliation, where our heart and the heart of God came together where our lives, at least for that moment in time, were aligned with the life that God has for us. And something in those moments says this. This is the life that we long for. Those times when our soul gets a taste of home. Well, here's the thing. We can be ambassadors for that. Let's tap back into that, you guys. Tap back into those moments. We can be ambassadors for those things. All right, let's continue to read out, continue to read and, and expand even further out. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Listen to this. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, we are not forsaken. We are struck down, not destroyed. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not for the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're transient. But the things that are unseen, they're eternal. Boy, can you think of anyone who might be encouraged if they saw more of that in us. If they, they, they saw us not just giving lip service to those things, but they saw us actually experiencing it. Experiencing a confidence that provides true and anchored hope. Experiencing a real sense, a real sense of God's guidance and presence in our lives. Well, if we continue to go and and we keep paging left or or swiping down, whatever the case may be, there's instruction about spiritual warfare. There's instruction about extending grace and forgiveness to others. There's so much more. And if we go the other direction and turn forward or swipe up, you'll see that ambassadors, we are to be temples, temples of the living God. We're called upon to live lives that honor him, lives that look different in the right ways from those 
who aren't looking to God for direction and guidance. There's instructions about why do we give generously. There's warnings about false teachers. We get a glimpse, if we keep reading, into Paul's heart for his churches that he planted and those lives that he invested in. There are countless insights, if you keep reading either direction, into what it means to be ambassadors of this living God. All right, all right, all right. If you've been drifting out, come back for this. Come back for this. If you've listened to nothing else, come back for this piece. Because I think this is kind of my aha moment of the week. So everyone ready? All devices down? Here it is. All right. Um, in the past, I've, I've used language so much about, okay, God is breaking into our world. God is breaking into our world. God is breaking into our world. I had a blinding flash of the obvious this week. And there's a place to, to write it down in your notes here. Jesus didn't break into our world as much as he opens our eyes to his. Let me say that again. Jesus doesn't break into our world as much as he opens eyes for us to see his. This is a paradigm shifter. This is huge. And maybe some of you guys can relate to, to, to this practical way it can, it can help. I've been sharing before about how at night, uh, I have got to, 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 to do different things because at night I, I lay down and my mind goes a million different places. And especially right now with all that is going on, you know, I, I'm doing my absolute best to work hard and to work smart. And every day my inbox has more at the end of it than it started. Every day my to-do list has more than it started. Every day I know more people who are hurting in a more profound way. And so I lay down and, and one of the things that I've talked about before is I'll lay down and I'll remember as best I can that, that the, the, in the scripture, the day starts with night and what a beautiful thing that is, that while we're sleeping, God is at work. And, I, and, and in the past, the recent past, I would pray, I would pray, God, go before me, go before me so that when I wake up, I can follow your lead, almost like a lead blocker in a, in a, in a football game. Well, here's how this, this paradigm shift, it, it, it's a game changer. As helpful as that other prayer was that I just shared, now I still go to bed saying, God, thank you that you're working while I'm asleep. But now I'm able to even have that burden lighter because I can say, God, tomorrow when I wake up, show me what you're doing and help me to join you in it so that this burden is not on my shoulders at all. But instead, I just need to look for what God is doing and join him in that work. You know, there are so many unknowns. There's so many decisions at home, at work. And it'd be a lot easier, right, to, to, to make decisions if we knew what the future looked like. But, but we don't. But we don't. And precisely because, precisely because we don't know what tomorrow will bring, Let's anchor to the one who does. So let's do that. If you're looking, let me, let me mention this here too. If you're looking for yourself to be your savior, if you're looking to yourself to be your savior, I can't help you with your fear. I can't help you with your anxiety. In fact, if you're looking to yourself or any lesser God to be your savior, that fear and anxiety, it's well-founded. 
Nothing, nothing in our lifetime has exposed foundations of sand like this virus. And see if you can catch this, this, this imagery because God talks about, do you have a foundation of stone or foundation of sand? So catch this imagery. When the winds begin to die down a bit, don't be like a foolish person who goes out and tries to build their life on the same foundation of sand. We're gonna see it. We're gonna have a new normal, but we're probably gonna have a season where it looks like our normal is like the old normal. What are people gonna do? They're gonna forget these lessons that they learned. And they're just gonna run out and they're gonna try to live the way they used to live. And that's gonna get exposed down the road again. In the weeks of ahead, let's us pursue a new normal. Let's discover or rediscover authentic, holistic faith. Let's discover or rediscover how to identify the works and schemes of the evil one, how we protect ourselves and our loved ones from him and his influence. Let's discover or rediscover a rhythm, a way of life that helps us experience more of that home life that we long for most. Let's discover or rediscover a new relationship with money and stuff that is peace-filled rather than anxiety-producing. Let's discover or rediscover how we pass the torch of our faith and of truth and life to those who will face new and possibly bigger challenges after us. In other words, let's do this. There's a place to write this final thought down. Let's leave kinda Christian behind. Let's do it. Let's leave kinda Christian behind. If you approach Christianity as an add-on, as one more thing you're just trying to integrate into the, your, this crazy circumstance that we're in, it's not going to work. The invitation to become an ambassador for another king and another kingdom is not a kind of kind of thing. The king who invites broken jars of clay like you and me to be ambassadors, he invites us to be temples of the Holy Spirit, part of a priesthood of all believers, his own child, part of a family, heir to his inheritance, a steward of his resources. The, the, uh, the, uh, to be like one who serves like he served, a good news bringer, a disciple maker. We want to invite you to join us for the next couple of weeks as we take these on one at a time and drill down what does that look like. This isn't, this isn't, this won't be about adding something to your full plate. This is about building your life or rebuilding your life on a firm foundation. So next week, we're gonna dive right in. We're gonna have a candid conversations about influencers, influencers. What kind of content and how much are you allowing to influence you? And what kind of influence is it having on your life? What voices are you, your family listening to? And are they life-giving? Are they shaping you the way you want to be shaped? If we want the life that's available to us, a resurrected and reconciled life that the world needs to see, let's learn how to curate our content well. All right, that's next week. For now, let's seal this message. Let's launch this series with this song that is a fantastic prayer. I do want to pray for you this week as you prepare to pray this song. Let me pray for you. 
Father, this has been quite a week for so many people. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come now, just as, as people came to you, Jesus, and said, teach us to pray. Holy Spirit, come now and allow us to pray this song. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.